Welcome back to the show, all my goats. Today we have a very fun episode about Ozzy Osbourne and the Human Genome Project. If you don't know who Ozzy is, then you should, probably shouldn't be listening to the show. You might remember him uh, from biting the head off that bat or that song that he did with Post Malone. So, we all know Ozzy's been on a crazy train for most of his life. He's been performing since 1967, and a lot of what he's known for is his rock and roll lifestyle and his heavy drug abuse. But in the name of science, he has donated a small amount of blood to the genetics firm Gnome. I believe it's called Gnome. It's K-N-O-M-E. Sort of guessing that the K is silent, as they sometimes are. Um, so he donated his blood to the firm with the hopes that having his genome sequenced will help us to better understand addiction. Which, if there's anything that we want to do with this show, it's better understand addiction. Because that was kind of the idea for the show originally, as My Life of Vices. But, uh, it has changed a little bit to just whatever the fuck I feel like. Anyways... So, what is the genome sequencing, and why do we care about it? I mean, other than the part about Ozzy, obviously, and his blood, uh, who gives a fuck? Um, a genome is a complete set of genetic material present in an organism. In other words, it's all the little bits of information inside your body that make you, you. So, as we can with most things... We can break a living organism down into a set of code. And I sort of think of the genome as, like, the tarot deck. Um, there's so many cards to choose from, but every person only gets so many cards. And they're always a different variation in order of what the cards come in. Another way to think of divination systems and DNA is the I Ching, which is said by Terence McKenna to be, um, the I Ching is said to be based on chromosomes somehow. There's the same amount of chromosomes as there are, um, numbers in the I Ching or something. Um, I wish I understood that more because it sounds really cool and the I Ching is something that I wish I knew how to use. Anyways. So, there's whole genome sequencing, and the results can be placed into three categories, which are single gene disorders, multifactorial disorders, and the pharmacogenomic profile. So, single gene disorders are sometimes called Mendelian disorders, and they're diseases that are caused by a mutation in the DNA for one gene. Um, an example of this is diseases like sickle cell anemia. Multifactorial disorders are diseases associated with DNA changes in more than one gene. This often includes diseases like obesity and diabetes and is often highly influenced by your environment. Pharmacogenomic profiles use an individual's genetic code to determine how they will respond to a drug so that a doctor can prescribe the correct amount of medicine. So this is an example of personalized medicine. Personalized medicine is something that we're definitely going to see a huge increase of in the future years. 
So you can see how this will be helpful from a medical point of view. The results of an entire genome can be quite insightful. And there's a lot we're still finding out about this type of research. So your genome isn't likely to give you a yes or no answer like you usually get from medical tests, but it will tell you if you are more at risk for certain diseases, like diabetes, for example. It may tell you that you're someone who could be at risk to develop diabetes, but it doesn't tell you definitively whether you already have it or not. So we can think of this kind of like meteorology. We can infer there's a 30% chance of rain tomorrow, but we can't tell for sure whether or not it's actually going to happen. Um, if you want your genome sequenced, there are startups that you can pay to do this. Uh, you should do it through a doctor, and it is a few thousand dollars, but there are several companies that are working to get the cost below $1,000. If you do decide to do this, make sure you go through a lab that is CLIA certified, and you will need a trained professional to go over the results with you. Okay, let's get back to the real star of the show today. Ozzy Osbourne, the Prince of Darkness. So, Ozzy has probably been known for partying at least as hard or harder than any other musician of his time. And like I mentioned earlier, even bit the head off a bat on stage in January 1982, which is also the same year he was banned from San Antonio for pissing across the street from the Alamo, which is pretty fun to learn about. Went back ten years later and rocked the place. So, I learned while reading about Ozzy that he was actually fired from Black Sabbath due to his alcohol and drug problems, which is kind of metal to be kicked out of a metal band for your alcohol and drug problems, I'm not going to lie. That shit goes hard. I'm not endorsing it at all, I'm just saying that's kind of crazy. After this, he went on to release 12 very successful albums. So it doesn't really hurt him at all. He does extremely well on his own. So Ozzy is someone that has done a ridiculous amount of hard drugs, binge drinking, and just beating the hell out of his body by being a musician. Researchers had the hopes that by studying his genetic makeup, they would be able to better understand addiction and substance abuse disorders. Many of the variants found were how his brain processes dopamine, it said he is 2.6 times more likely to experience hallucinations on marijuana, which I thought was very interesting. Um, hallucinations on marijuana don't seem to be extremely common. I mean, I have read about them on high doses of edibles, I guess, but I thought that was interesting. He has an increased risk of cocaine addiction and has an increased predisposition for alcohol dependency. Something like six times higher than most people. He is also slow to metabolize caffeine. So that's all stuff that's related to dopamine. Um, they also found variants in Ozzy's TTN gene, which they thought could be connected to Ozzy's hearing, which hasn't been damaged very much despite decades of performing at rock concerts. Um, they also thought that it could possibly be related to his tremors. Um, they've also found a small amount of Neanderthal DNA as well, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, so, the stuff about Ozzy and his genome, um, actually came out in 2010, which 
is quite a while ago, guys. Weird to think about. And that was when Ozzy was among one of the very few people to have their full genome sequenced. Uh, I still thought it was worth an episode because he's dope and all that, but we're kind of going to move into the more um, modern genome sequencing stuff now. So just 10 years after sequencing Ozzy's DNA, we have CRISPR in clinical trials. And if you don't know about CRISPR, it's pretty crazy. A lot of what I have about CRISPR is taken from this article I found on sciencenews.org. I wish I was able to explain it in my own words, but I'm a bit out of my depth with this much science. Um, CRISPR is a gene gene editor that is being used in human clinical trials to target cancer, blood disorders, and blindness. Since its debut in 2012, CRISPR gene editing has held the promise of curing most of the over 6,000 known genetic diseases. Now it's finally being put to the test. Not finally because it's new, but finally because this is something that can potentially be a game changer for curing certain genetic illnesses. Um, In the first spate of clinical trials, scientists are using CRISPR to combat cancer and blood disorders in people. In these tests, researchers remove some of a person's cells, edit their DNA, and then inject the cells back in, now hopefully armed to fight the disease. Researchers are also set to see how CRISPR works inside the human body. In an upcoming trial, people with an inherited blindness will have the molecular scissors injected into their eyes. Those tests, if successful, could spur future trials for... Duchenne muscular dystrophy, cystic fibrosis, and a wide variety of other genetic diseases affecting millions of people worldwide. Conventional gene therapies, which insert healthy copies of genes to replace or counteract disease-causing versions, also suffered severe setbacks, says Ronald Conlon, a geneticist at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland. Some kids who had therapy for immune defects developed cancers. A blindness therapy worked temporarily, but couldn't halt disease progression. And most devastatingly, participants died, including 18-year-old Jesse Gelsinger in 1999 while taking part in gene therapy trials. CRISPR's reputation was tarnished last year after a researcher in China edited a gene in embryos that went on to develop into two baby girls in 2018. The current CRISPR trials don't have the same ethical challenges. The therapies are being tested in adults and children and won't lead to DNA changes that can be inherited, says Alan Regenberg, a bioethicist at John Hopkins Berman Institute of Bioethics. Still, he says, there's reason for caution when working with humans. CRISPR is a re-engineered virus hunter originally developed by bacteria. In 2012 and 2013, scientists described how the system could be tweaked to cut DNA in precise locations and then demonstrated how it could be deployed in human and animal cells. A piece of RNA, a single-stranded genetic molecule similar to DNA, is the CRISPR part and guides an enzyme called CAS9 to particular spots in the genetic instruction book or genome. The enzyme slices through both strands of DNA... (coughs) 
of the DNA double helix cuts, the enzyme slices through both strands of the DNA double helix. Cuts can be used to disable certain genes, snip out troublesome DNA, or even repair a problem. But CRISPR sometimes goes to the wrong spot, resulting in unwanted edits or off-target effects. Even with intended cuts, unwanted errors can arise. We don't always fully understand the changes we're making, Regenberg says. Even if we do make the changes we want to make, there's still question about whether it will do what we want and not do things we don't want. University of Pennsylvania researchers have given two people with recurring cancers a CRISPR therapy, a university spokesperson said. One person has multiple malioma, the other sarcoma. As part of an ongoing trial, both received T-cells, a type of immune cell, programmed with CRISPR to go after cancer cells. Um, there are similar trials to this underway in China. Trials are also underway for two blood disorders, sickle cell disease and beta-thalassemia. Both result from defects in the gene for hemoglobin, the oxygen-carrying protein in red blood cells. The therapy is designed to mimic a fix that nature has already devised, says David Altschuler, chief scientist at Vertex Pharmaceuticals. Usually a form of hemoglobin that produce, that helps fetuses in the womb grab more oxygen from their mother's blood stops being produced after birth. But some people have a harmless genetic variant that causes fetal hemoglobin to be, to be produced throughout life. People like that who also inherit a sickle cell mutation or a beta- thalassemia mutation weren't sick, Altschuler says. So, <clears throat> I guess there are some uh, morality issues that we have to look at with uh, developing these types of technologies. Uh, like it mentioned, there was the, the doctor in China that was editing the embryos. It's really fascinating the things that we can learn from the human genome and that we're getting to a point where we're going to be able to edit genes in these types of ways. Um, also, think of test tube babies, um, things like that. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening there, guys. And this is something that moving into the future maybe could cure cancer. Maybe we could uh, cure all kinds of blood disorders and. Um, immunity disorders, who knows um, really how far this technology could go as it progresses. Like they were saying in this, um, in 2010, Ozzy was among maybe a handful of people that have had their entire genome tested, and by 2012-2013, they had had this technology to where they were uh, ready to start studying it in animals. So... That's pretty wild. Um, hopefully you guys liked this episode. It was fun to talk about Ozzy and... And since I mentioned it earlier, and also in an effort to extend the life of this episode, let's talk about the I Ching, which is also known as the Book of Changes. It's an ancient divination text and the oldest of the Chinese classics. It's influenced by Taoist and Confucian philosophy, and it's much older than the Bible. It's thought to date back to Fu Shui, 
2,800 BCE to 2,737 BCE, who was one of the first rulers of ancient China prior to the Han. It's thought to be one of the oldest books in the world. Essentially, it teaches that the universe is regarded as influenced by the opposition forces of yin and yang, male and female, light and dark, hard and soft. The analysis of the interaction of these forces is used as a tool for divination. So there are many different ways to consult the I Ching, and the most modern way, I would say, is you toss three coins... Another way is to use a number of marbles, or the oldest method and longest in procedure is the throwing of yarrow stalks. Each method's end results will conclude in the forming of a hexagram composed of broken lines and unbroken lines. So the yin are the broken lines and the unbroken lines are the yang. The 64 possible hexagrams are assigned meanings by the I Ching. So the 64 possible hexagrams are what you can use to... uh, They tell you what uh, it's saying, I guess. So it's called the Book of Changes because the future is seen as continually changing. The I Ching doesn't tell you the future like a fortune teller would, but it's more about um, allowing some ancient wisdom to guide you and help you make wiser choices along life's journey. In um, the language of DNA, there are 64 possible codons. So this makes up um, possible words in the dictionary of the DNA language, uh, much to the way that the 64 hexagrams in the I Ching uh, correlate to the language of the I Ching. So Gottfried William Leibniz, who lived from 1646 to 1716, and who laid the modern foundation of the movement from decimal to binary as far back as 1666, with his On the Art of Combination. So that was cool because he he came up with um, binary and everyone thought it was kind of stupid, or they didn't really think it would be... Um, utilized i guess but um as soon as we had computers we were like oh yeah we got to use this guy's thing um he's known as the last universal genius and he made important contributions to metaphysics epistemology philosophy of religion logic uh, mathematics physics geology history and even people that didn't like him were extremely impressed by him so he's the one that sort of had the idea that the I Ching's depiction of the universe contradicting dualities, uh, basically the I Ching inspired him to create binary. 